Welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode of Click Heads, a talk show, an esports show. Two dudes just hanging out talking about nerdy stuff. I'm Jared Baratoka Siglione, joined by Paul Solpan Vaughn. Solpan, how are you doing today? It's been a great day. I am freshly moved. My background has changed. If you were watched uh, last week's episode, we're in a new place, but we'll also be moving in three months again. So that'll be exciting. Wait, you're leaving? Not leaving, just getting out uh, of this. Relocating. Yeah, te- temporary. This is temporary. This is all temporary behind Fair me. enough. Don't temporary this or not. Nice bleak and blank background. You got to decorate it. I'll Paint your it. favorite Worlds team on the background because that's what we're jumping into first on tonight's episode. Worlds is still kicking. It's still swinging and it's going through. In fact, out of all four groups, there's only one left to play. That's how, is, that... uh, how is your pickums looking? Pretty good so far, actually. I'm a, um, I believe a red Brambleback is the wow. uh, the group I'm in. So, you know, not 0. to flex or anything, but top, yeah, top 0.5%. Only 22,000 uh, other people have picked this, which sounds like a big number. But in this context, it's a small number, <clears throat> I promise. Representing the 61.8% here at the Ancient Krugs. 2.7 million other people intelligent like me. Uh, but I also, I kind of trolled. I only have one perfect group, and it was Group B. SKT1, take, or sorry, T1 taking that away. Yeah, Edward I had, Gaming in the second place. 100 Thieves third place. And Detonation focused me. We all knew they weren't going to do too hot. I have to say, anyone who managed to pick that Group A correctly is a grand wizard that deserves or that i want to like approach and get the lottery numbers from that was an absolute insane day with a three-way tie two tiebreakers to play and then like just the greatest best of one between north america and europe i've ever seen yeah and for those that didn't get a chance to watch it of course spoilers aside damn one gaming everyone you know dwg kia they we knew that they were the front runners a lot of people did put Phoenix plus or fun plus Phoenix in the first place, or at least in a higher position than they ended up. No one anticipated cloud nine to do what they did. And in fact, a three O on the day is not only a tall order, but I mean, this is, this is hopium to the max for North American fans. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, sorry, it's, sorry for rogue gaming. I apologize. <laughs> the real thing here is, Cloud9 always makes it out of the groups, right? So anyone who didn't put them second mm-hmm. is a fool, and I'm one of them. I had them third. True. I was not thinking with FPX and Damwon Gaming Kia. Literally two world's winners in this group. Right. And of course, somehow Cloud9 manages How to sneak you? their way out. I will say You're that... You're a monster. Off, off, <laughs> my bad, all right? I'm a realist. As much hopium as I want to drink. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, but everyone... Your second group was, perfect group was Group C, right? Yes. How? How did you do this? How did I do this? How Made did you do this? to me. Uh, RNG, uh, usually just insanely good. I mean, they've like repaired their team, right? Put them over mm-hmm. Hanwa because I feel like their team kind of, their team qualified through the, um, through the gauntlet, through the regional qualifier. So they didn't right. actually qualify through normal playoffs. They kind of had to like sneak their way in. Um, right. Talon, uh, I mean, they're not, they're not a major region team. We haven't seen, um, their region actually escaped groups, I think, and since the Flash Wolves were last at Worlds. Right. And I didn't think they F-W, made it out the maybe? last time they were here. Yeah, maybe. Right. Um, and then Fnatic was a pretty obvious choice. It's really sad what happened, of course. Um, upset mm-hmm. for those who don't who hadn't uh, heard, had to go home for a family emergency issue. Um, and so kind of left like a giant gap on the team because he was one of the Fnatic's best players on that roster. And losing your starting yeah. ADC before you've got to play against the best teams in the world. You're not going to do super hot. So I not, ended up putting too, them last. Not too good. Now, here's the big question mark. Since you have two out of three, right? And I have one out of three, right? What's your group D looking like? You don't have any NA hopium. So Team Liquid's last, right? <laughs> I'm afraid so. You know, when you see <sighs> Team Liquid and you see in the number four in any context, you just kind of put them together. So that was an obvious choice. Uh, wow. Gen G. <laughs> I was I had a lot of hope for Europe. I mean, I figured if there was a team that managed to take down G2 and Fnatic, they're going to make mm. it out of groups. Um so well that doesn't currently line up with my picks. I have Mad Lion in second, LNG is actually first. Um I thought they showed up really well so far and um and then also inside of the play-ins themselves. And then Gen G actually put it in third because I don't know. I just feel like I feel like Gen G is the team that's going to disappoint Korea this year more than anything else. Wow. Tall words. Um, 
Me, on the other hand, has a bit of a madman approach to to Group D. I got I got North America coming through strong. Team Liquid inspired, motivated by Cloud9 performance, as well as, to be honest, 100 Thieves' performance on the last day was remarkable. Um, and then I have Genji second place, with Mad Lions coming in third, and LNG getting that crucial fourth place. I'm... I'm okay with being wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. I got to. I got to keep <laughs> no, the no dreams alive. No faith in China. No faith in China. All, North enough. American hopium is strong with this one. I, As what Monte Cristo would say, I'm about that NA hype train right now. Everyone, I feel no like we're talking about the um, like China as a region imploding in the second part of groups, but I really haven't felt yeah. it. I mean, like we lost FPX, but they're sending right. four teams to Worlds. Like one of them is bound to fail somewhere right it'd be scary if right. all four chinese teams made it through groups i think that would be the the real indicator of like just absolute insane region strength so i'm glad that it's not four chinese teams in groups it's awesome that america got through i just want i, I think i want to see the mad lions get through just so we can have yeah. at least all four major re- regions represented here with the as we move into the playoff stage um be as, nice. and then as, as the meme Go goes the reports of china imploding at worlds were greatly exaggerated yeah, as the memes go. And memes aside, some some statistics for you. 86 out of the 157 champions have been picked so far uh, and banned and or banned. Uh, there are, I think, 82 picks and then four just banned out but not picked champions. You know what the most uh, picked champion is by a pretty large margin, Soulpan? Shock and Yone. ah, no. <laughs> Just kidding. It's actually got like a, oh, it's got like an O four win rate right now. Yone's not doing too yeah. well. It is misfortune <laughs> with shock and ah. Interestingly enough, the most win rate champion. Granted, they only have three games. You ready for this? Talia. Interesting. Yeah, she's gotta be jungle. Yeah, only it's the only way it's been picked anywhere but jungle. I have to believe. But I wonder um, if that will influence things because we always talk about in other tournaments, it doesn't even matter what skill level, how the meta evolves within the confines of that tournament, right? Yeah. We, we clearly see like this MF powerhouse with some lockdown ADC coming through at the beginning through play-ins and into the earlier stages of groups, but the Lucian, Nami still being highly contested. And now we even see like Yumi being kind of a, a focus for bands or picks just because the hyper enchantress support is something that's alternative to that. Do we end up seeing a true hyper carry with like Lulu and see a death ball comp run through? That would be awesome. I think it's possible, but I think the Yumi has been primarily getting picked Bring up just Kogma because back. she's so strong or rather she has really good targets to attach to in the current meta. So every time you see yeah. Yumi get picked up, she's going on to, um, Talon LeBlanc. a lot of the time. <laughs> Talon, LeBlanc. I mean, you saw what Chovy was able to do with a fully stacked right. Medjai against, I think it was 100 Thieves. Just absolutely disgusting. So, yeah. Maybe, I can't remember if it's Fnatic now. But either way, Chovy, insanely good mid laner, right? But really, Chovy's it's more about great. who can Yumi attach to and enable rather than an AD carry mm-hmm. within her lane that she's attaching to. Because right now, Misfortune's, yeah. Misfortune's getting picked up almost every single time, as we've seen with her insane presence this world's. And then followed closely by Jin, I think, is like the, the secondary go to AD carry. Yeah. And so I think I think more often than not. It's like that or maybe Ezreal. Yeah, Ezreal too. So like those are probably like probably the big three. And Yumi can go on to Ezreal and make him a little bit more effective, but realistically, the two of those AD carries are not who we don't have your Yumi sitting on top of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's gonna continue to, to develop because uh again, things things change throughout the course of the tournament. Lee Sin. The most picked blue side champion and Misfortune representing the most picked red side champion, by the way. I'm actually kind of surprised first, by that. Least in first picked is actually pretty... I mean, that makes sense, right? It makes sense because it's a flex pick and all. Um, but I'm more surprised by is how often blue side is, is giving still? up Misfortune. Yeah. Have we seen Lane Leeson recently? I feel like he got I played that top got at least once at this world, but I might be wrong. I need that like fact just checked. for sheer flex reasons. Mm. I really like seeing uh, kind of these top laners go away from the typical Camille like insta lock when available. I love seeing I love seeing GPJs. I think that's a great matchup. Graves? I love seeing Nar. 
Yeah, I love seeing Graves, although that's annoying for any top laner that only does physical damage, which is all of them. I'm waiting to see a real Singe come out, you know? Just to really mix, mix, swirl things up, or maybe a Maokai. I really think that even Talia 3 games, not a huge sample size, but 100% win rate has so much objective control. And just that wall, the Weaver's Wall, with Twisting Advance and the ultimate from Maokai could be huge in tandem. The, the ones, you know, people generally don't like big draft for 5v5s mm-hmm. in worlds, really. It's it's been the unique thing that we've seen in this world where the team fight combos are being seen as the more viable option over the one three one style compositions, which is really interesting. Um, even right. Korea, you know, the team that's known for the macro split push choked you out slowly is actually defaulting to wombo combo compositions. Um, yeah. The fun thing though, I think the, the most fun counter pick I've seen so far is Syndra Top being played into Kennen, uh, just like the weirdest mid laner to ever approach the top lane because no escapes right Shove. but she just absolutely Shove. dumpsters on the cannon and so it's such a good pick <laughs> for denying that team fighting or denying the little lightning yordle from being an insane team fight threat later on right i mean same thing could be said for the talia right you have so much presence with the lucian with you know with these dash champions or champions that have the activated movement speed having those stones on the ground i'm not vouching for more people to play talia i don't think she's a jungler at all i think she needs to be a mid laner but just to mix things up because the jungle pool is getting a little stale saw fiddlesticks which was very cool we saw fiddlesticks within the confines of like one day and that was it yeah but it was so awesome um i'm talking a little we'll bit more about see. champion fix um which is have you ever heard yeah. of the dade award the Dade Award? Yeah, so no. Dade was a mid laner from Korea, I think in 2015, right. who came to Worlds, okay. hyped like crazy. Everyone was freaking out about this guy, saying he was like, gonna be like the, the huge hot thing at Worlds, was like number one or number, or like I think top five at least in the power rankings that year. Um, came into Worlds, and then just his, he didn't even make it through groups. He just mm-hmm. flopped, fell flat on his face, didn't play well in any of the matches. And so everyone created, or I think it was I Will Dominate, actually created something called the Dade Award, which is you give it away to the most overhyped thing team that came in this world. Some people are saying it's FPX, but I want to give it to someone else entirely, which is Amumu. Oh, boy. I think Amumu support Amumu deserves support. the Dade Award <laughs> for being an overhyped uh, champion that got picked up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's currently sitting around a 33% win rate after just seeing almost no success in plans. It's tough because his it's all telegraphed. I mean, that's why we very rarely see Malphite, right? To some extent. The mm. way that these Amumu supports are trying to play aren't the way they need to, I think. They're trying to be pseudo-frontline, pseudo-tanky. I think if you're playing Amumu support, you need to play like an AP Assassin. Like you go, you go Night Harvester, you go Rocket Belt, and you look for flank angles. In fact, take Spellbook. Take Ignite and then switch to TP for deep flank plays because can you imagine an Amuma TPing into the middle of a fight? You don't know if it's the mid or top laner. You have Amuma drop down, Curse of the Sad Mummy. That's that's GG right there. And then, in fact, beyond that, pick a, a, a more AP-focused comp. You still have your traditional ADC. Maybe your top laner set or something who does some extra eking out of physical damage. But then you run like Elise. You run Fiddlesticks. And then some bursty mid laner. Who knows? Something that can... Syndra, yeah. Just power overwhelming all of them. Or even Oriana. Why have we not seen Oriana yet? She's the lane dominant champion. That's like a little bit of her, but I think she's mostly getting played as like a... A safe blind pick and not really much of like a we're gonna play this because it works with our comp it's just like i don't know let's just pick oriana because she works here she isn't terrible it's just it's it's phenomenal to me that these players play on such a caliber but they still make the same quintessential mistakes not having bald vision not having you know eyes or awareness of where the ball is and those command shockwaves still catch players off guard in fact it's so much to the point that I think that Oriana, once we start getting into the later stages, we'll see Oriana's, we'll see Rises again. Heaven forbid we see like Corky Azir uh, reveal its ugly head once more. But I think Azir is super powerful. And they have one of the best Azirs still alive going in forward with the rest of the worlds. And that's Faker. And I would, ne- I would perish 
to to see Faker pull that that Birdman out. I mean, it's, it's been exciting to watch for sure. I think Azir is yeah. probably the most exciting of the what people would call like the boring mage mid laners. Just because right. he jumps in and he goes for those crazy, you know, shuffling four back plays. Might die in the mm-hmm. process, but um, he always does have stopwatch. Sometimes two stopwatches, as we've seen in a few different plays. We've uh, seen the, the double stopwatch the so much more this of League year. of Legends, man. It yeah. has been disgusting to watch. I, I saw a Reddit post, super funny. Said I, I, I forced a bot to watch Worlds and report back to me what it saw, and it was just icons of stopwatches, GAs, and Sonyas <laughs> across the screen. <laughs> it's powerful. I mean, that's true. Yeah, the most interesting thing I think I've seen is that none. I don't feel like any of the Western teams are pulling out the double stopwatch play. It's mostly Eastern. So like I've seen. Koreans pull it out, and I've seen uh, yep. Chinese teams pull it out. I feel like no North mm-hmm. American or European team has been like, "Yeah, we buy his his hourglass and then use my commencing stopwatch on top of it." It's such a value play, and if you use it at the right time, it is a game changer. Absolutely, because th- those teams in general don't throw away leads that they garner, especially from what is it, ten seconds of invulnerability at that point, or something like that. I think it's you like get three per six. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Six seconds of you can't touch me. If you play Lissandra, tack that on top, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just happy we don't see. Well, I guess I'm not super happy. The The reason why it writes in a great job about this, forcing Lucian to be hyper buffed by whoever he's near in a lane removed him from mid lane, which also I think has taken Tristana out of favoritism towards mid as well. Yeah, there was a, a huge shift in power for AD carries, but they just wanted them to move back towards bot lane because they were bullying too many mid laners out of mid and being just too effective yeah. in a solo lane. So it's nice to see them kind of get rotated back to the original role because I know AD car- ADC players get upset when they lose champions to mid, and then mid laners also get upset when they ha- have to learn how to play AD carries. It's the weird people who yeah. like to play flex all the time that choose Phil instead of two different roles like a sane human being ah, that enjoy that no, no, kind no, of style That's of literally play. me. I literally did this last night for about five games. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I keep getting stuck with support, but I don't know how to play this role when I have full control to remove it from my options. But that's that's the way things roll. And that's not all the League of Legends we have cooking up. We also have Collegiate League starting up soon. Last year, Winthrop University did take first place, but there's some pretty big names here on that ladder climbing to the top. And I feel like we got to talk about some of them. Bethany Lutheran, a very powerful team. Maryville, kind of a name that's kind of a buzzword now with how much they kind of just run the scene. And we see some other maybe lesser known schools here. My personal favorite, got to represent the Boise State. (laughs) It's interesting that we're seeing almost a changing of the guard, it feels like, in terms of who's dominating collegiate right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was, of course, Columbia College at like the very, very beginning of it all. But now we're seeing, I feel like Maryville and HU as like two of the top dogs. But then even then, we're getting more new um, teams coming into the scene with University right. of uh, St. Thomas, who actually managed to win HUE Fest, uh, which was a recent collegiate land held with 16 different teams. Awesome right. to see from them. Grandview has been doing a phenomenal job. Redbird Esports. Yeah. They haven't managed to take any wins yet, but I'm constantly seeing top finishes from this team. And I'm excited to see what they can bring in the future. Yeah, I, and I think it's so cool because similar to collegiate sports, this is an esport, of course. These players do want to win because it gives them, you know, some boon towards their program. But beyond that, they're willing to do some weird stuff in order to to clench those W's. In fact, in UAL, we recently saw not Graves top, not Graves jungle, Graves mid, and a Rengar jungle. And that Rengar player just completely popped off. Yes, it's just one game. It was a it was for a best of three, but they clenched it up with that that one map and. That kind of stuff will put some some buzzing, some murmuring around there. So, you know, it, it's it's in, interesting to see how volatile sounds like a negative word, but how dynamic I should say uh, collegiate esports is. Uh, you see, you know, ex professionals come down here to maybe get a, a scholarship and an education, and that's kind of a fringe benefit, and they bring that high tier professional knowledge and experience down to these levels and it kind of transcends a program uh maybe not a similar situation for quas of course but that's a different story we won't talk about but yeah i think it's really cool 
it's it's definitely showing, and I hope it continues to show that there is a path for this talent. You see, in so many other regions, you had teenagers that are you know on par with professional players, 16, 17 year olds. In fact, in China, you know, being restricted from playing. But some of the best professional players are 17 years old. They're still mm. in high school at that age. But then having a path from collegiate maybe to a professional team, that could be huge. Yeah, it's exciting. It, I think it makes the scene a lot more sustainable um, just because mm-hmm. players do have that option now where they're not dropping out of high school to play right. uh, to play sports. They're just going to continue on with their life, go to college, and then they can look for that professional career afterwards. I mean, it's a little bit risky because, you know, <laughs> there's the whole weird stigma around age within professional esports where like right. top of the league of legends i mean i think it was double lift retiring at what 27 yeah. also at around that age so like you finish your collegiate career it just, in theory shortens your esports career uh professionally but i think that there are sure. benefits to it of course and um hopefully we can see this scene continue to thrive because sea lol has been really exciting to watch you mentioned pocket pits pocket picks has been my favorite thing about sea lol is that it's less mm-hmm. about very um it's less about being meta driven and more about creating really interesting compositions that can catch your opponent right. off guard yeah i mean that's kind of the you follow the cookie cutter this is what's happening in worlds you can easily suffer to a school or a program that's thinking more innovatively by countering that meta because Yes, it may be the most effective tactic available, but there's always a counter. There's always something that says, oh, you're going to try and do that? Well, this is the chess piece to combat that. And a sidebar, you speak from personal experience in in terms of uh, a program developing growth and opportunity moving forward. So you're like a living example that this is – you're not just spitting stuff out (laughs) of your butt. This is truth. He's spitting bars right now, actually. This dude's spitting. <laughs> what can I say? I do have one rap just, song out there, but you have to search for it. You don't, you don't get it for free. Inc- By the way, it's actually incredible. It's actually fire, and I will stand for it no matter what. It's really anthem. good. Yeah, it's your national anthem. Like when you yeah. come out on the WWE ring, <laughs> that's your song playing. That's your theme song. I hope not. If I, if I ever somehow manage to get swollen enough for WWE, I hope my rap song has been lost in the ages because that would be embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> You are swole papa, so that it's will be—it's a moniker that will last until the the end of humanity, really. But that will do it for this league coverage. We're going to move over to something a little bit, maybe more grindy. What's more grinded than playing League of Legends for eighteen hours a day? Well, New World is a game that's taken a lot of people by storm, and it is a grind fest. But people are eating it up. It's pretty much, you know, putting yourself in. Over-the-shoulder third-person RuneScape is what a lot of people have been saying, and people are eating it up. Have you played it all? I was actually in the New World beta, um, so I haven't, okay. I haven't played the the game itself. I decided it wasn't going to be for me, and I wanted to focus right. more on League and you know some of the esports titles that were casting, but right. um, it was exciting. It was a new experience. Um, I think a lot of people yeah. said that it wasn't. It was too similar to other MMOs. I disagree. Sure. They, had, they had a very unique feel to the game. So rather than being... Yeah. Think, think World of Warcraft, Guild Wars, um, Final Fantasy. You're like a legendary, magical, imbued hero who could do crazy, crazy stuff and do crazy spells to uh, enable yourself, your raiding right. team, and things like that. New World, to me, feels so much more like you're just a guy and you get you got a sword and an axe. You're and you're just, just, a dude. you're just doing yeah. your best. You just swing it and do your best. It really, um, the combat actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Thalheim, uh, less clunky, but also yeah, okay. it, it has this turn-based feel to it kind of like runescape where it doesn't necessarily feel like your mm-hmm. it's kind of like for honor-esque honestly. yeah exactly it's like a lot of it's uh, like dodging. you take your swings if i predict your swing because i know you're going to try i will go with the block i can get the block i can get the dodge i can rotate around i can shoot my yeah it is kind of turn-based in that but it's like almost instant turn-based yeah. you know you're not um, sitting there the um the actions themselves are fun too because you when you aim yeah. with the bow you're aiming with the bow you have to hold right click draw and shoot when you're um, mm-hmm. shooting the gun you aim down the sights of the gun and shoot it's not just like I press the I press tab I press four and <laughs> I, I shoot the, the guy <laughs> yeah it's it's active and I think it makes it a lot more engaging and fun um right. some people don't like the MMOs they kind of like want to use them as more of a social tour they can play them in the background but for people who are looking mm-hmm. for a much more engaging experience I think New World's a really good option. 
Yeah, I, it's it's still in its infancy. So a lot of the growing pains, it seems that the developer, it being Amazon, of course, they're pretty privy to listening to their community. They made a tremendous amount of changes from the beta moving to the live product. And this is a night and day difference between their first release game, which was an absolute travesty. I mean, if you ever got a chance to play Crucible, but it was not a good game, <laughs> this is a lot better. What I find interesting, though, is when it comes to MMOs, it, the big question mark for these type of games and this genre is what do you do at the end? A lot of players are still leveling up. That's still kind of the, the goal right now, and that's fun of the, the, the fun of the grind. But once you get to the end goal, level, max level, what are you doing? Is there in, intention for endgame content to be readily available? Is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be challenging? Is there going to be tiers of difficulty for casuals versus hardcore players? And and then beyond that, how is the faction v faction combat? Are you know factions that have less uh, population within them going to be buffed? Are they going to be balanced versus this? For for anyone that doesn't know or doesn't play, there's one faction called the Syndicate, and it's like the subterfuge, the rogues, the assassins. They're all about doing stealth missions and assassinating people. Literally, everybody's a. a one of them and it, it's crazy the syndicates at least on my server run rampant there's purple everywhere that's their mm. representative color um and it makes it difficult to play if you're any other faction you have to stage small coups you can't have big wars because the the population just doesn't substantiate it um so we'll have to see it's just a big question mark that will only be answered within time but it is entertaining it's very fun at least in my opinion yeah, I think the open worldness of it, the, you can go anywhere, you can cut down that tree over there, you can mine that rock over there. It just makes it a very fun game to play. You can spend literal hours fishing. Oh, yeah. Cutting fishing down trees. The good just stuff. harvesting herbs. I have a friend who, if there's ever any fishing in the game, he will dive right in and permanently without any pun? remorse or question. Is that a water yes. pun? Nice. Oh, yeah. 100%. Speaking of diving right in, we're going to go to our next segment. Going back to Riot for just a moment to cover the Valorant statistics of what's going on. Don't know if you had any chance to watch any of these last chance qualifiers, but things got a little spicy. North America's sole defenders, the Sentinels, were not taken down, but you know, humbled by a performance by G2 a few weeks ago. Uh, G2 got themselves in position for a last chance qualifier, but they did not make it out. A team guild, the guild team, as they would call them, was able to take it to them on a 2-0 map win, just complete shutout. And with that being said, this representative team went forward only to then be 3-1 by Team Liquid. So there are only a few more matches for this last chance qualifier. 100 Thieves is in the upper bracket right now, sitting in the final spot and waiting for a combatant to come back and see who's going to try and take them out. Uh, there's a lot of different options, though. Rise is still available. FaZe Clan is still in the runnings for this last chance qualifier. Cloud9 Blue, and then version 1. All teams still fighting for a chance to try and take down 100 Thieves. And then once that happens, as we get closer towards December, it's Champions time. And that's the big boys. Yeah, it'll be exciting, I think, for sure. I think Valorant's doing something really cool by kind of mirroring, in some aspects, the competitive scene of uh, Dota 2 and CSGO, where it's much more tournament-based, right? You don't have competitive leagues. You just have one-off tournaments. And those best of five matches, those best of three matches, create so much more hype than uh, best of ones because you get really cool narratives of they knocked yeah. them out of this tournament and now they're coming back up to this one, upgraded their mm-hmm. roster, made a few moves, and now they're ready to take down the team that took them down just a month ago. That kind of narrative is super exciting. The other thing that's surprising me is I was expecting more European domination in Valorant right. purely because in the tactical shooter genre, CSGO being the only other one out there that anyone plays, um, Europe is dominating that scene. They have so much more infrastructure. They have so much more uh, success just in general in terms of winning CSGO tournaments. It's very rare North right. American team wins there. So I was really surprised to hear when um, we've seen some success with the Sentinels, Cloud9, um, and of course, 100 Thieves, uh, all being competitive, at least with the European teams uh, at that level. Right. And it, it's cool because, you know, North American fans would always just love another game for, for them to cheer for, for their team. And, 
A lot of what we're seeing in terms of the successes is the the typical kind of play icebox and rush a mentality. A lot of teams do that, but I think with things being tournament ready and tournament acceptable here in the near future, we'll see maps like fracture and we'll see whether or not teams have these insane strategies. It is unfortunately another map to ban, you know, and it's, it's another map to practice. We, we often criticize when teams in general practice X amount of maps as opposed to as many as they can, because it leaves you, it leaves you for, it leaves you room for mistakes. And if you have a hundred percent win rate on map, I guarantee you're not going to see that. So you need to be prepared to play these other maps in that kind of instance. Yeah. I mean, if you, it's just like, if you don't practice these, I mean, I think every team to some extent has to practice every single map, but the, I I love teams that specialize in some weird way in one map and that the team doesn't know about it. And then they pull out just insane strats. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of going back to CSGO again, but everyone remembers the, the crazy, um, boost that Fnatic did I got them that was super controversial at the time because they were looking over wall they shouldn't have been, right. been able to look over but finding discoveries in maps like that finding those crazy one-way smokes that the team just isn't expecting that's the kind of stuff that can just get you a quick victory in that best of five and right. be exactly what you need to take them down and it's it's a momentum shift right and despite well no not even despite this game is encouraging a momentum system because when you win when you get eliminations you get money and you get much more than your opponent for losing it is very much a momentum based game mm-hmm. and then beyond that it becomes a question of mental with this being uh, i guess mainly com- composed of players from CS:GO and maybe other shooters tactical or otherwise Maybe professional competition isn't something that that they shy away from. They they welcome the challenge. Their mental is something that is relatively protected. Mm-hmm. But there is always that question mark, right? Whether or not we see it on the professional stage or if we see it in collegiate or amateur. When you lose and you lose in a big way, that does beyond the physical damage in the game. That does mental damage to you as a person. Uh, and it's it's the funniest thing. You can... And maybe in, again, less composed teams, ones with less experience, you can see a team tilt based off rash actions, lack of decision-making, lack of accurate decision-making, going forth without any information. You know, there's a lot of things that are noticeable, and it's the funniest thing to me. I think the best phrase to come out of COD that I've ever heard is ego peaking. Yeah, <laughs> they sometimes just shorted it to egoing. The next exactly is where you peek an angle that you know you shouldn't have, but you're like, "Oh, I can just outshoot this guy." So you try it, and then you and get you shot. Don't. Yeah, you die. <laughs> That's the kind of tilt plays that'll just get you messed up in Valor. I mean, you can't. You have to be playing so calculated and so intelligent. The amount of utility that gets right. used in that game is absolutely insane, and it's really more based about that than it is um, the gunplay. Which is right. Interesting. Intentions for you. Well, and that's the cool thing is despite Guild not making it through to the end due to Team Liquid just being better, they were a team that got to where they were because of the fact that they took chances and opportunities not using all their utility. And and for good reason. When it comes mm-hmm. to the tactical shooter, tactical almost is synonymous with slow. You take your gameplay to a, a fast pace like the Sentinels, and we've seen them have great success with doing so, you completely catch so many teams with their pants down and there's nothing they can do because you can't just speed up your tactical deployment. You can't just speed up your utility. It's something Mm. that you just have to forgo and hope that you can win gunplay. But at that point, you're already a few rounds behind when you decide to do it. And the team that you're facing up against, that's doing this hyper aggressive style. That's what they're known for is just better gunplay at the end of the day that technically will win games. I think it's really interesting. I mean, the Valorant community kind of balances between like people who got the game because Riot's goals with the game were that it was going to be more about the guns and less about utility. But it does to me feel like in general, um, the game is very utility focused. And so, but that, in my opinion, makes it more interesting to watch because then it's less about who can just flick to someone's head quicker than the other and much more about um, placing everything in the right places. I mean, I love the entire Sentinel class. I think it's just super interesting. Um, Cypher, right. one of my favorite characters in the game to watch, just all the crazy setups they can come up with. It's much more about prepping correctly for the match than it is about um, just taking that 50-50 ego peak, as I mentioned earlier. To some extent. There, some extent. there is, there is a, a large handful of really strong utility 
Then you have characters like Yoru, who on paper sounds like he'd be busted for a tactical shooter, right? Yeah. But he's think. not played. He's just not played mm-hmm. at all. And and for some reason, I don't know why. He's one of my favorites, so I can't. I don't know. The new, new agents coming out eventually. We'll see if they're going to be tournament ready by December, depending on when they're released. Some some leaks, some rumors. Can't really believe them, but someone says that they're a sharpshooter. So the new jet, the new operator holder, maybe who knows? We'll have It'd be to, nice have just to have see. some diversity in that department, right? No more jet operator, please. <laughs> Name a more iconic duo. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but that will do it for the Valorant portion of the coverage. On to another MOBA, the one that I had vehemently talked about last episode, actually had uh, some conclusions drawn. Dota 2, their t- international championship has come to a conclusion, um, and and with a very fiery kind of setup, Team Spirit picks it up over PSG LGD in a pretty commanding fashion. Um, we have so much to say about this, but the coolest thing, I think, about this whole setup is there is only one hero that was not played, I believe. Only one. You don't know any of these names, do you, for any of the characters? Um, we'll run it from the top. What is the... <laughs> there are... <laughs> By the way, Team Spirit winning, like, I don't know, a nice, 18 million. easy... 18 million dollars. 18.2 million. Just whatever. And that's a cool thing about Dota 2. The prize pool is not only associated. Initial prize pool was one point six million, um, and then what ends up happening is an additional twenty five percent of all battle pass sales, which is an in game item you can purchase for cosmetics, are added to the pool. Which means that through some miracle, the current total prize pool was forty million dollars. Yeah, the really cool thing about that Four is just that- zero. <laughs> Four zero 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 zero. I'm sorry, that's nice. Nine. Take away three of those zeros. Uh-oh. Anyways, <laughs> uh, what's cool about Dota and the international is I just think that because that prize pool is so big, it gets so many eyes on things in the esports world. So many more people are like, right. "Yeah, I heard about that crazy tournament where like they won forty million dollars or something." Which now I see wrong. The prize pool gets split up, but it's still so interesting just because so much of the general public is aware of the international. More than I think yeah. a lot of other esports. Of course, Fortnite got a lot of publicity for like the kid, that sixteen-year-old kid who won like sixteen Booga. million or something. Booga, yeah, thank yep, you. Booga for Fortnite, and that's exactly um, an example I was going to throw out. Is you know, for lack of trying to offend anybody, boomers or whatever you want to call them, people people of age that are not familiar with video games and esports, they may not know a lot about esports, but I guarantee you, someone's told them about Booga. Everyone seems to know about Booga, but also like the international, just because of the prize pool is so big, it brings mm-hmm. a lot of that validity to esports. And I know that sure. everyone thinks that esports is normalized and we're finally there to the point where like, you know, no. the general public generally accepts it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not, man. Every single time no. I go out, every single time I'm in an Uber and someone asks me what I do, I have to explain. I, I have to start every single time. Do you know what esports are? Do, and then I have to validate know, it to them and then I have football. to convince them that it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. I still feel like we're we're working towards that validation where the general sure. public accepts and acknowledges what esports is, not just the youth population. Yeah, and there's there's a dichotomy to that question as well as with the validity being called into question and still kind of being hazy and not stamped in permanent ink. There's also a question of talent and players being hard to value. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that you know efforts by production and staff and town and players aren't valued personally by the people involved, but how do you put a dollar amount on someone and their performance or their, their services? It's, it's difficult. Now back to Dota. Cause I don't want you to detract me just yet. Darn. I know. Cause this is going to be really <laughs> difficult for you. I'm so sorry. I'll do my best. There are, there are four 100% win rate heroes. Do you know them? Um, I know two names. Um, name no, I, two I know three. I know three champion names. Dota. You ready? Hero. You know Sorry. three Sorry hero names. Yeah. Wrong game. Invoker. Go. Okay. Not one of them. Uh, Juggernaut. Also not one of them. Marksman. Not a name of a character, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Is it sharpshooter, sniper, or something? 
It's Sniper. Oh my god. He's, he's a, a tiny little him, dwarf goblin, goblin man. And he's wonderful. No one, no one played him. Oh. He's a great pub stomper, but not very good in competitive play. Chen, Visage, Arc Warden, and Ricky. Granted, their games vary. Not the most played uh, heroes in this regard, but the ones with the 100% win rate. And again, only one hero not picked, Husker. The most picked hero? Elder Titan. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. I think it's phenomenal. I you think one thing that's care, always interesting but... is uh, I feel like sometimes a lot of these like one game, 100% win rate heroes, champions, or characters in a lot of different games come out when a really good team plays against like a much more inferior team. They get like that one-off counter pick or something. And, the, and then right. that character just stays at like that super high win rate for the rest of the tournament. And they're like, they mm-hmm. don't really deserve it because that team, in theory, should have beat that team anyways. So win right. rates and statistics from world championships and just giant tournaments like this are really hard in my mind to pull together and actually pull meaningful um, data sets from or meaningful conclusions from. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's difficult to say and, unless, mm. of course, it's like Olaf, what year for worlds who was just able to run <laughs> and just win games by himself. Xin Zhao, I feel, is also extremely powerful. That champion's insane. But we're here but for Dota. Hang on. Yeah, we're here for Dota. Well, no. well, we'll we'll fizzle we'll fizzle away from Dota. That's all I got for yes. for now. Uh, the season's over. Congratulations again uh, to Team Spirit. You you definitely earned it. You you dethroned a lot of the a lot of teams that you were anticipated to lose against. To be honest, and somehow managed to pull it off. So again, congratulations. You guys earned it. But I think an interesting side conversation or sidebar we can have is kind of dipping our toes into the conversation that all of this is encompassing this really cool different perspective on esports in general. You see these massive amount of prize pools being divvied up amongst the players, the coaching staff, the analysts and stuff like that. But the new unsung hero are the the representation for the help. You know, the the people making sure that the physical and mental health of these players is top notch. And that's that's huge, right? Uh, pushing forward to, to make a giant strive to make sure that these players have uh, the right mindsets, are eating healthy, have a healthy lifestyle. They're not just doing what they used to for StarCraft and playing 16 hours in the middle of a Korean gaming den, drinking nothing but energy drinks. They're... They have a nutritionalist. They have three balanced meals a day. They have a therapist, you know. This is incredible because that not only shows that the people that are involved aren't in it for just grabbing the money. They're, they want the longevity of these players to remain true. Yeah, it's it's a, been a huge point in esports just generally. Um, the fact that you can you can't practice football for 16 hours a day. Your body has physical limits. You can right. sit in a chair and play games for 24 hours a day, not healthily usually, but, but no, people do not. do it and they um, deteriorate their health as a result. Sleeping, mm-hmm. not a joke to, to lose hours of sleep. It's not good for you, obviously. It just, no. it's re- really Unless cool. Unless you're to just see- one game away from winning, you know, <laughs> just one more. It's been just really cool to see general acceptance of um, mental fatigue and mental health issues within the esports community. I think we're still a long right. ways off. Um, sure. Even even Uzi being the most uh, prominent example I can point to of back and wrist issues that took him out or making made him retire much earlier than he wanted to. You always look at sure. him and be like, "It is such a shame that he no longer has access to this career and the thing he loves to do because he wasn't taking mm-hmm. care of himself early enough." I mean, he's one of the OG esports players, so it's hard to even discredit RNG and say that they weren't doing enough for him because at that that time these issues just weren't even considered. Right. And yeah, the, the awareness is important because it, it can be an issue. It's despite what maybe a lot of people think, you know, this could be something that is fleeting. Uh, Uzi, of course, early retirement is evidence of that. This isn't something that is sustainable forever without proper care and putting emphasis and effort into that proper care is huge. I mean, mm. I think uh, you didn't get a chance to watch any of TI for Dota, but there were so many interviews in which the the players and coaching staff and whatnot praised the fact that they had so much support for their mental and physical well-being because again uh, in comparison it's night and day to the way things used to be 
Hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Hopefully it gets what better. Are you do? I, that's all we can say. It, I mean, it's, it's hard to advocate for change. In a space yeah. that's already advocating for change and already moving towards those uh, better benchmarks for Just mental keep, health. Keep speaking about it. Use your platform, I think, is always super important because mm. awareness obviously brings attention. Attention brings solutions if there are problems, if that's the desire, I guess. I don't know. Attention could also bring harm, but I hope not. You just ignore you just ignore the trolls, really. And back to back to Riot Success will throw maybe some not specific esports news at you, but some interesting things happening in the business world on the other side of things. Of course, with them being business and game companies, they gotta make money somehow. Riot Games acquires Kanga to create better fan experiences. Kanga was founded in 2018 as a startup focusing on creating fan hubs that facilitate exclusive content, social wagering merchandise sales and video content aggregation specific to an individual's favorite esports teams and streamers which means maybe we'll get like a team liquid foam finger one day you know yeah i i hope it happens i mean all the different esports teams i think are already kind of creating their own brands i mean we saw how, how 100 thieves was successful in becoming the hoodie org where they just sell a bunch right. of really high value hoodies and that's how they're managing to oh, make yeah. revenue um Cloud9, TSM, and Team Liquid all have very successful merch ven- ventures of their own. I even have one of the Team Liquid um, show exclusive. You want to see it? It might take me a second yeah. to go grab. Okay. Go. I'll all right. Cover, one I'll second. Cover, you. cover for me. This is worth it. This is worth it, folks. This is this is proof in the pudding because it's it's going to make things more commonplace. If this merchandise is more available, if you know it's content's more available and more widestream, maybe there's different medias that are going to be tempted to to purchase. We at one point had ESPN. There we go. Big old holy cow, that's cool. Great weird hoodie pocket here. I, I call that's this a weird this pocket. Is, this is my uh, airport hoodie because you can just like yeah. throw like your wallet, phone, headphones, whatever was in your pockets in that once you make it through security. One problem yeah. is I almost get pat down every single time because this thing is so massive, thick, and heavy in the hood back here. That they'll just always just like grab me. Something. And they're like, yeah, he's hiding something in that hood. And they're like, I almost, without fail, every single time I go through, get like a checked on the neck. But beyond that, it's a really nice and convenient airport hoodie. Sounds like you're getting assaulted by TSA. <laughs> but what a, sounds I probably terrifying. just not that bad. No, they're okay. <laughs> they just give you like a little neck massage and then you're, you're good to go. Oh, that's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I've only been pulled aside one time when they thought I was nefarious, but look at me. I'm harmless. <laughs> Another it's... great partnership as well is going to be the talks of Face It and Gucci combining. Face It being, uh, to my understanding, uh, a, a place for tournaments to be run through. They're like a tournament organizer. And of course, everybody knows Gucci. Yeah, interesting partnership indeed. Just because Facebook's primary demographic, I think, would be CS:GO. They kind of have like, their own ranked ladder that they use and utilize. Where right. you know you rank C on Facebook, you rank B on Facebook. Kind of like Rocket League six man's. Um, I think there's another CS:GO service that actually does a very similar thing. Isay, I think, is the mm-hmm. name. But um, it's interesting that a giant brand like Gucci would partner with Facebook, just because I feel like CS:GO is kind of one of the games that's on the way out. Um, and with Valorant kind of being the new hot thing, I would have expected Gucci to follow that crowd and cater to that right. crowd rather than the CSGO community. Maybe. I'm not trying to throw shade at uh, Face It by any means. I, I guarantee they've done great things for esports, but maybe that's their thing. They're, Gucci's like, this is a lower hanging fruit that we can reach for on the way up to the top of the tree. I mean, they already partnered with LCS. I think there was a Gucci XLCS collaboration a little bit there ago. Was a, there was a Gucci jacket and a Gucci Kiana skin. That's what it was, yeah. It was like, they, yeah. they released, I think it was with True Which Damage when they sick. released like a bunch of True Damage yep. gear and every single t-shirt was like, I think the cheapest item they had was like a $500 belt or something. So maybe it was that absolutely was them insane. overreaching. Yeah, maybe that was them overreaching and they didn't get the success they wanted. Um, but one thing I wanted to bring up before we jumped on from this topic was about on the topic of Kanga. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, this idea of like this fan hub already existed and was already in place and practiced currently. Mm. Um, there was a place called Green Park Sports, which was like kind of the original digital fan hub. Um, they had some form of partnership with Riot. I'm not exactly sure, but like if you go to their website, greenparksports.com, 
you can like see yeah. that they're partnered with the LCS. Like LCS is like one of the three leagues that they run digital fan content in. You can like customize mm. an avatar. You like play games against other fans of the other opposing team that you're playing against. Um, right. All within like this digital space that I think almost entirely on your mobile device. But mm. it was it's weird to me that Riot's partnering with another digital fan group. And I'm wondering if maybe they're just not getting the engagement they want out of Green Park. Um, but like there is absolutely a partnership that they already have in place for a very similar. It does the same thing. Um, yeah. What, what's the word? It, 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 it fills a similar niche. And so ah. the question is, what changed with this partnership? What weren't they happy about? Or is there something very, very unique that they're building with this new startup that I'm just going to be completely blindsided by and it's going to blow me away? I think something maybe really cool needs to happen in order for this to be successful yeah. over Green Park Esports. Maybe they're trying to throw attention or a spotlight to Kanga's casts instead. <laughs> Maybe. Great, great guy. Honestly, yeah, I, I love Kanga. You know, he's he's sneaking his way in there. He's like he's getting he's cutting branding deals with random startups that he thinks are gonna get picked yeah. up by Riot just so we can get his yeah. name out there even more. He's like he's a genius. Respect. Like, so much respect. knowledge in that bald head. That's because you don't have any hair to weigh it down. You have only room for knowledge there. That's why I'm gonna shave my head as well. I'm not going to shave Manchester. Oh. Does this mean that we're going to see Gucci CSGO skins? No, because it's not partnering with Valve. I, I almost had the thought. I was like, that could happen, but then no. It'll, Maybe it'll a Gucci be, case for a tournament reward? That could happen. Gucci rewards would be really interesting to see. Maybe like discounts or <laughs> some kind of promotion there. This is this is great though because this bridges the gap. So you can say like, "Oh, babe, let me play a couple more ranked games. I'm trying to get some Gucci gear for you, okay? Like, <laughs> I just got to queue up for a couple more ranked games. I'll be busy. I'm trying. I'm trying to get you that Gucci bag. I swear, yeah. <laughs> if, it's not gonna work. No, I don't it think it'll work. work. I I feel like and, in general the esports demographic is too young to afford things like Gucci. Maybe, but the content creator wrong. demographic isn't. Yeah, content creators can absolutely do it, and they can buy content creators getting associated with Gucci. Their fans are like, I'm going to drop my entire three months of paychecks on that next Gucci item. But I feel like it's just... I've it's seen just people odd. drop like a, a thousand tier two subs. Yeah. I'm like, how did you gift all those? How did, <laughs> yeah. hook, hook me up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. But it's time for my personal favorite segment, I'm going to let you finish. Do you have any uh, I'm going to let you finishes? Well, Baratel, I'm going to let you finish, but put your tinfoil hats on. We're getting weird. Oh, you ready gosh. for this? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Amazon is currently publishing a title that I'm very fond of. Do you know what that would be? No. It's a game called Lost Ark. It's a top-down okay. Diablo-style isometric view where you it's control one character. Out? No. Um, that's uh -huh. what my tinfoil hat theory is about. You control an isometric character. It's super fun, super fast-paced. It plays almost like a MOBA in PvP. Um, mm -hmm. I've been actually studying VODs um, of tournaments from, um, I think it's Russia, Korea, and China, where the game's currently released, okay. just to learn more mm -hmm. about the game because I'm super excited for when it comes out. I want to learn how to cast it and run matches in that space. Um, really interesting PvP system, super interesting PvE system, it has like a lot that can appeal to casual fans in terms of like just collecting stuff. I mean, it, it, it's been out for six. I mean, it's either 2015 or 2018 it was released. So it's been out for a while. Wow. There's tons of content in the game. And all they're doing is translating. Or Amazon, all Amazon is doing is translating the game and localizing it for North America. Now, the game was originally set to release in December of this year. It okay. has been pushed back to an ambiguous time next year. And you ready? This is where you really want to tighten down the straps on your tinfoil hat. The reason new or the reason Lost Ark was not released this year is because they released New World and they did not want this other MMO that is far superior to New World competing with their newly released title that they developed themselves. And I'm mad about yeah. it because I love Lost Ark and I am craving so much that PvE and PvP that I was so fond of and like the week worth of alpha that i got to play in that game and that's all i got to touch and that's it and i'm just sitting here crying Fuming. punching the wall you're mad and just that's all i want back all i want is you're so Lost mad Ark. I, I 
just like the X-Man with like the photo. He's like crying in bed. Oh, Lost Ark, man. Yeah, I miss it, dude. I'm it's a it's been a tragedy. And I was so sad when the, the initial delay was released, but then I thought I got thinking. I put my tinfoil hat on I got thinking. It's this because they developed sense, their own actually. title. They just don't they want right. people to buy Lost or they want people to buy New World instead of playing Lost Ark for free. It all makes sense. And so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm mad, but what can you do? We're just gonna sit here and wait. And I know that the game when it releases will be super, super fun. So I'll just look forward to that time. So, Pan, I'm going to let you finish. Where the heck is the Ruined King game? Where is Riot's Ruined King game? Why why didn't it come out when Viego was, like, released, pick banned 100%, main story arc villain, the ruination was happening? That was quintessentially the best time to release it. What are they doing? They don't know what they're doing at all. Riot. Also, uh, out of all the years that Zach as a champion has been around, he doesn't have very many skins. He doesn't have a lot of love. Why have they not innovated? I know this one. It's super. No, it doesn't make any sense. No, no. I know this one. Um, Why? The reason is because the way his model, his character model physically was designed. So like, you know how, um, do you know like how rigging works in animation? No. It's so like, think like um, Yasuo or something. He's got okay. a few moving parts. He's got his legs, his um, sword, his arms, sword. Have to, like stab, like all those animations. Like they have to create this character model and then put points on it that are like the joints that move. Okay. Zach is a giant amorphous blob with no joints. Um, with like no joints. And like a lot of it, a lot of his character model is just like meant to be this crazy moving thing. And he's constantly stretching and moving about. In really odd ways. So it's difficult. So they're it's really difficult to make saying. skins for it. Yeah, yeah. That's basically all. Oh, it I is. don't care. But on top of that, he's also an unpopular tank jungler that isn't dashing six times across your screens, so and no one wants to play him. So, but he I'm has not a mad. passive. He's got a passive. He's got a death passive. Here's the idea, and this is when he was in popularity. Zack Lantern the skin. It's Halloween. Make him orange. Make his little bloblings be little pumpkins. It's the easiest thing ever. And his face is already Jack-O-Lantern-esque. Zack-O-Lantern would be the easiest skin they've ever released. And then one oh, final um, thing. I, I got oh, one, go one more thing before you go. You're going to put a little um, thing on mine, huh? You're not done I yet. I hope your tinfoil fa- hats didn't go very far. But right no, removed all chat. Arcane's releasing November 9th. Ruin King, I bet, will release around the same time. And their plan is for Arcane to come out, get a bunch of new eyes on Riot's IPs, that are we still be interested in the League of Legends universe? With release no the Ruin King, which will be a paid game. No all chat, so that players when they join the game don't get flamed relentlessly by the enemy team. They only get flamed by their allied team. <laughs> and then, yeah, wait till all chats remove when it's just a ping system. It could happen. Um, but then I don't know way, voice chat. The, 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 uh, I don't know. It works in Dota. It works in Valorant, which is another Riot game. It, so who knows? Yeah, um, yeah. Don't, yeah anyway, the technology is there. I think the plan is to get eyes on their game, get eyes on their IP, and then release um, the Ruben King along with that so people have even more lore they can dive into to get more familiar with the League of Legends universe. I'm going to let you finish, but this there was a recent patch to a very near and dear my heart game. Baldur's Gate 3 had a huge Ooh. patch. They're still waiting to release next year. Ho-hum, ho-hum. But it is an absolute hoot to play with your friends that game. It is hilarious. It's very fifth edition if you're a fan of D&D. There's, you know what, actually, no. I'm going to let you finish. But if you want to play D&D, you don't got to set up a campaign in person. There are endless. There's an end. There's a very limited amount of online tools. But they're out there and they're free. So do it. Have someone try DMing. If you're afraid to, just do it. Just try it. If it's not for you, you'll figure it out. If you start kind of developing your style, you have players that like it, you have a campaign. Just as easy as that. Play D&D, play with your friends. Video games and board games are meant to be enjoyed alike. But that will do it for tonight's episode of Clickheads. I think we've... Click them pretty spot on. About an 82% accuracy rate. Just because of my pickums, I think that's why I fell short. But you, you on the other hand, were 82% correct. 
That's not no. true. Let's be a little generous because the rest of my information was spot on. Well, we're okay, going to be enough. We'll be leaning it because I'm hosting. Okay, eighty-two percent went for me. You got about a ninety-three. I think you're doing pretty good for yourself. But that again will do it for tonight's episode of Clickheads. We'll see you next time. <laughs>